Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am here with another outstanding guest, someone I've been hoping to have this conversation with. And finally, we have found a moment where our schedules opened up for us to finally engage in conversation and someone I've been following online and, and learning a great deal from. And she's got just a, a, a few things going on in her in her life currently, which is, you know, usually the case for anybody in education. None of us ever sit you know, idle too long. Um, but she's got a lot of incredible things and I'm really excited for this conversation to see where it takes us. And so, um, Alana Winnick, welcome to the show. And so as we get going and get this party started here, you know, for those that don't know who you are, who are you, what do you do and what in the world do you got going on? And that right there could probably for you right now and your current state of things could be the entire show itself. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So my name is Alana Winnick. Um, I wear many hats right now. So I have a full-time job. I'm the director, um, the educational technology director at Botanical Hills in Westchester, which is just north of New York City. I also do the IT side. So don't let the educational part fool you. But my focus is on education. I think that that's really important when you make IT decisions to always have the students and teachers and learning in mind whether it's your infrastructure, your hardware, or any other technical decision you make, it's really important to have that educational lens. Um, on top of that, I'm also on the board of directors for NiceGate, which is um, the New York State Association for Computers and Technology and Education. And it's an ISTE affiliate. So if you've heard of ISTE, which is the International Society of Technology Education, that's more of the national or international larger um organization and New York State is an affiliate. You can live in any state and be a member of NiceGate. So don't think you have to live in New York. Um, it is open to anyone. It is a free membership. There are paid things, but just the general membership is free. Uh, so I'm on the board there. And then um, I'm also a student. I'm finishing up my third degree in educational leadership. So my first degree is in childhood education, second degree is educational technology, and now educational leadership. I'm graduating in August. August is a very big month for me, not only my <laughs> graduating. Um, so I'm also publishing a book um, in, on August 1st called The Generative Age. And that's also the name of the podcast that I launched a few months ago. So lots of stuff going on in my world. Um, and my main focus lately has been on uh, generative artificial intelligence. And I think people say AI, AI, but there is a clear distinction between generative artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence. Um, and generative, the gen the word generative means that the AI is generating content. So you prompt it and it generates content, whether that content is text, whether it's audio, video, photos. My my about, about the author section of my book, it's actually not a photograph of me. It's an AI generated photo of me. It only costs $29 and you got 200 photos, like professional looking photos of you. So I thought that was a really fun twist. I told Aaron we can, we should start recording because I had questions for him about podcasting because I'm, I am a new podcaster and I asked him if he edits his own content and we'll get back to AI in a second, but I asked him if he edits his own content and what did you tell me? Yeah, I told you that I do. Um, and that one of the things that I, I loved or I found that I love in that process, 
you know, even though it, it does take time is for me, that's where I feel like I can truly have my learner hat on. Obviously I'm going through the editing to make sure that conversation runs smoothly, but you know, we have these, these, these conversations. I think about it just in general in education, how many times, sometimes are the, the best learning moments are when we stop and have a chat with someone in the hallway or, you know, on our way to in-service or, you know, take ISTE, a recent uh, huge education conference. And I didn't get a chance to go this year, but normally when I go, most of my learning happens over coffee or, or through chat, uh, not to say in a session. And that doesn't mean sessions are bad. Um, and so I find being able to go back and have an opportunity to listen to it again, you have like those new aha, those things that just really like, yeah, if it hits, hits me the second time through, I know there's something there. Um, and so, yeah, we were, we were talking about that. And I, cause I think there's like you were talking about, there's a real value in, in, in doing that work yourself, even though if you ha- have someone to be able to do it, that's also great. Um, yeah. But yeah. And that's for me, it's been one of the beauties of, I often joke, but it's not really a joke that my podcast becomes my my free PD and sometimes slash therapy sessions. I'm just working through ideas with with people that 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 want to you know continue to be lifelong learners. Yeah, and so for me, that's kind of how it started. So the, it actually didn't start as a podcast, a generative age. It started as a web show because when this happened, I was like, oh my goodness, this is really big. People need to know about it. So I offered a free webinar through NiceGate. Two hundred people registered in like. 48 hours. It's like, wow. And it started as a webinar. And if you listen to the first episode, the audio quality is horrible because it was a Zoom and we didn't have it mute people when they entered. So you could hear them entering. But that was the first episode. And then I was like, wow, this is big. We have to keep going. I'm like, I don't know everything. So let me bring in other people who do. And it started as basically free PD for me. Like that, like you said, it was, I want to learn and I want to learn from awesome people. And I had the power of NiceGate to back me on it. So people are are offering to be guests and I'm having really big thought leaders um, and I get to learn from them. So that's what I'm the most excited about having the podcast is that I get to learn from them. Um, like you, and that's kind of what you said is that it's free PD for you. Um, and it also helps you, I think, or me reflect on myself as a learner, as a teacher, as leader, as a speaker. I think there's a lot of positives that come along with it that I never really thought of when I went into it. Yeah. You know, as we think about that, as you're talking, because I think there's, that's where the, where the, I think some really valuable stuff comes from that is, is I always find myself thinking about my own philosophy thinking about where I stand on certain ideas. And oftentimes I, do agree with lots of people, but I like to bring people on, at least in in the podcast, like to also have people kind of challenge, um, not in like a like a debate type way, but like, oh, I didn't think of it that way, or I haven't thought about it from that perspective because I haven't walked in your shoes. You know, as as we're talking about that, then you've got a podcast. Clearly, I have one here. You know, for those educators that don't do podcasting that value can still be done, you know, and as you were talking earlier about the importance of keeping that perspective of the students and the, and the classroom teacher and, and, and admin and anybody involved in education, you know, and you're, you're doing this work, you know, how would people manifest it? How do you, how, why, why is that important? Or how can people do it? If they're like, well, that's great. They both have podcasts, but I don't, I don't have time for that. But like, what would you suggest for people to be thinking through that? Like you can still have those learning opportunities. Yeah, I think, I got into podcasting as a listener. I never thought I'd be, I actually never thought I'd be an author either. 
Um, I'll tell you how that happened in a second. But I commute to work, so I live in in Manhattan, in New York City. That's the background that you see. And I drive to Westchester every day. And there's an hour of time, and I could listen to music. But it's a better use of my time to learn. So I started figuring out, what do I want to learn about? And really reflecting on, you know, I'm also in school getting a degree right now. But I have two hours of my time. Like, what do I personally want to learn about that school is not forcing me to learn about? And I started finding things that resonate with me. And again, I never thought I wanted to be a podcaster. I never thought I would have my own podcast. And I did learn a lot. So I think for people, I mean, obviously, if they're listening to this, then they like podcasts so that they're already sold on that. Right, right. So when, when AI came out, I am a school leader. And this is actually still, so I've been speaking about it a lot. My favorite question to ask when I'm speaking is, raise your hand if you know your school's position on AI. You would be shocked at how few hands go up. Out of 70 people at a pre-summit to ISTE, ISTE, which is like the educational technology hub, two hands out of 70 went up. Hmm. Like crazy. So people... People are talking about it that are interested in it, but it's not being talked about at the schools and at the districts. And they're not making a position. This is our position. I don't want to say a policy because I don't necessarily think you need to have a policy. Right. I think that if your policy, and then I write about this in my book, if your policy, well, first of all, it should be very positive. I learned that from Richard Colladas, ISTCO. If you count the number of do's and you count the number of don'ts, you'd be surprised at that number too. (laughs) But it should be positive and it should be like, how should you use technology? And you don't have to give any specific like examples or references to any specific technologies, but just how to use a technology appropriately. And I think that it actually doesn't fall under um, plagiarism. It falls more or cheating. It falls more under academic integrity, right? Like- Mm. I don't look at it like that anymore. I look at it as academic integrity. If you are turning something in that reflects your thoughts and your work, that's academic integrity. So I think that I've been focusing more on the positive in that aspect. But going back to why I wrote this book, no one's talking about it. And I'm like, that's because people that that are leaders that should be the ones leading school districts don't understand what this is and what this means. They don't understand. So what I did was I wrote an educational leader's guidebook to AI. And I have case studies of how districts rolled it out for different ways. I have um, ways for classroom teachers and leaders to look at their existing um, classroom and school policies. And I wrote it initially for a leader. And when I pitched it to several publishers, They're like, this is not just for leaders. This is for everyone. So my book actually doesn't teach anyone how to do anything at all, but it helps you think about your position and where you stand and how to change your class or school rules. And hopefully someone who's resistant to it by the time they reach the end of the book, they'll change their mind. (laughs) Well, I love that. That's a, a fascinating approach to it, to think about your position versus policy. And I know... Um, in my in my job, I support 21 school districts, and here at the time of this recording, it's mid July, and about another couple of weeks, it's 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 a wildfire of meeting with admin and and getting ready for back to school PD, where people do have questions and they do want guidance on what should our policy be, 
And I like your approach of that, of that position. Um, because one thing that I've, I've told people, um, whether it's, it's, it's right, wrong or indifferent is like, you don't get so caught up in like these lists of what can and can't happen because one, like anything with tech that we've ever seen, um, and this time it's happening even faster. Like you could talk about a tool now. It could either, it could be non-existent tomorrow or that was might, the hardest oh, part of my book. Yeah. I was at the hardest part because I didn't want to talk about tools and I was so cautious that this book is not going to be outdated in a year. And when I talked about professional development and rollout, I wrote of disruptive technologies. I mm-hmm. didn't actually talk about, I didn't write it as AI. I said any disruptive technology because I didn't want it to be outdated. You know, a follow-up question I have for you too is as, as we think about that, that difference, that distinction between position and policy. And I know like as, as you're talking about that, I'm really intrigued by that because I do think it's important that at some point, policy probably has to come into play in some fashion. Not that it has to be an AI-specific policy, but as we think about our, our tech policies, and I've just had people like, look, like maybe you've already got it covered, and are you comfortable yeah. with, with AI being part of that? But I think this there's a step before that is triggering in my brain, and I wrote it down. I was thinking, like, do you even know your position, or are you jumping the gun to policy? And I know for me, a lot of my stuff that I've been doing has not been that, but now I'm really... I need, I need to think about how to infuse that more, but I've been thinking about it. Like how do we be more proactive? So we don't make decisions out of fear um, and, you know, quick social media headlines and actually like, let's understand some of it first, you know, and get in, in front of that. But I really like your angle of, of the position and just in the moment here thinking, I'm like, okay, I should have people think about what is your position first? Yeah. Knowing that, some people are going to be asked to do policy, but like, do you even know where you stand before you even make decisions? And we don't do that enough as much as <laughs> education is so slow moving. And yet we'll jump the gun on something like this um, without, without much thought. I see it as two phases. Phase one would be teacher use. And phase two is student use. Yes, you could do them both simultaneously, but teachers are freaking out about this, mm. right? And in order to help them feel comfortable with this idea, they need to buy into it. So if you show them how this can save them so much time and you just have them try it, their mind is going to be blown and they're going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't live without this. This saves me so much time. And then you're like, okay, well, if, if you use this in your work, why can't a student use it in their work? What skills do they need to be successful in the present, but also in the future? So I made sure when I rolled this out to my teachers, we didn't talk about student use because I didn't want to stress anyone out, but we came together with my curriculum leader and we talked to the teachers and we, we said, we support you. We support you using it. I showed the U.S. Department of Education um, graph that said, 49% of teachers' time is spent in front of students. That means more than 50% is spent doing other things that AI can assist with. So I'm like, we can save you time. And then when we come back for superintendent's conference, I'm going to pick teachers who have been using it so, so much and do kind of like Catlin Tucker station rotation and have teachers cycle around and see how their colleagues are using it. And once you get the teachers to buy in and once you get them using it, and once you get them obsessed with it, then you go to phase two. But I think most importantly for me is that they left knowing we support them 
our position is that we support them using it. Right. Yeah, I like that. And that's what I was I was doing some sessions at a conference and there was a lot of um just like you said, I mean, I can get caught up in my little LinkedIn universe where I I I, I forget sometimes that not everybody's talking about AI and these things 24 seven. Um, and where, and where I was speaking, majority of them had zero clue, um, that these things were even happening. Uh, majority of them maybe had heard of it, but hadn't used any of it. And just a very few small marginal people had actually like dove in and used the tools. Long story short, what I found over and over again through the sessions was like, the fear built up. You could just see it kind of rise and you start to explain what the tools could do. And then you could see like, oh my gosh, like, like you said earlier, it goes right into like, well, that's cheating and it's plagiarizing and all the the, the initial emotional things that come with it. And they're all valid. It's, it's a natural short-term reaction. But then like we funneled them to like, okay, but let's just look at you. Let's like, let's think about something you're working on. And they got just like you talked about, they get so excited seeing how quickly it could do some of the tasks that maybe are mundane for them. And then yeah. all of a sudden they started just the way all educators do start thinking like, oh, but this could help my kid. And this could, you know, and they already, they yeah. have, and now it changed the mindset because they saw the wins for themselves, which I think is also a huge step is understanding how it could work for you before you, you know, start thinking about others. You know, it's kind of like the old plain adage of put your own oxygen mask on first before you try to help others. I think there, there's something to that. Yeah. And if you've ever seen the graphic, I call it shades of gray. It's not what he calls it, but um, <laughs> Matt Miller has this, uh, it looks like a scale and it shows from completely human generated to completely AI generated. And there's a, a range of different ways to complete a task. And in my book, I put his graphic, I call it shades of gray. And there's so many shades of gray with AI, right? And somewhere we need to draw the line, but where do you draw the line? And that could be different from district to district, school to school, teacher to teacher, assignment to assignment. It could be different at any moment. So I think it's just being clear with academic integrity and the assignment and what is expected of students. In this assignment, you can do xyz and in this assignment you can do xyz and just being transparent and clear with expectations and some assignments and so also if you, i think if you look at something like let me backtrack a second so we definitely need to rethink assessment i think mm -hmm. because if you are assessing the end product that's not legitimate anymore because yeah, you could run the the essay through an AI detector, but that's not even that. I I don't even like when people do that because there's another tool called um, GPT minus one and a million other ones where it replaces words with synonyms. And all the AI detectors are doing is looking at the probability of the words strung together. And if you use synonyms, then it basically messes up the probability of the words strung together and it will trick the AI. So AI will trick AI. So using an AI detector doesn't actually do anything at all. Um, and if you assess the learning process, so process over product, um, if you assess the learning process, that's what you should be assessing, not the end product. It's how did they get there? And there's so many ways that you could do that, like project-based learning. I had AJ Giuliani come on and talk about that. Um, another like thing that I like to look at is bring back the old school Bloom's taxonomy. The lowest levels of Bloom's 
AI could pretty much just do them for you. Sometimes it's important, right? Like I'm not saying get rid of them because if you are a first grade teacher teaching fundamentals or you're in a fifth grade math class teaching something at the lowest level, continue doing that. I'm not suggesting that. But what you have to rethink, what do you want students to learn from this? What skills do you need them to have? And for each assignment, think about what they need to know and what they need to do. And don't make them do any more than that so they can focus on creating new knowledge, right? The Like the higher levels of blooms. And I took um, the Samurai model and I sort of got the idea from AJ, but then I renamed it. So it's like Samurai's, <laughs> S-A-M-R-A-I, like A-I-Z-E. Oh, there you go. And so instead of using technology to substitute, right, you just eliminate, like get rid of it. The a- Samurai's it. That's what I call it. It's like taking a samurai sword and slicing <laughs> through it. It just doesn't exist anymore. It's not even substitution. It's just not there. So rethinking the skills that students need for each assignment and what you want them to learn and what you want them to do, and maybe not making them do something that's super time consuming because they could be using that time on something that's more beneficial. Oh, I love that. You know, and as you're talking through all those ideas and completely on board with everything you say, you know, and I'm thinking through this and obviously people can, can listen to podcasts like this or yours, or, and I know you've got courses and your books coming out, you know, but it, what is your process for learning? I mean, you've got, you've got, you're spinning a lot of plates in your life right now. You're, but you're writing a book on, on this, on this topic. You've got a podcast on this topic and it's AI, but I think it also fits to a lot of things we've been grappling with in, in education and just technology in general. But AI right now is, is is the latest thing. You know, what is your process? Because I think one of the things too that that I I find over and over again is people are like, I don't I don't even know where to begin to even understand it, you know, and they may not have a PD session. They may not be able to get to a conference and sit for 45 minutes and, and get started. You know, what do you, what's, what, what, what's your learning journey? Social media is a big one, right? If you just go on Twitter or threads, right? Threads. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, that's where I usually go is Twitter, but I've been disconnecting a bit to focus on um, graduating and getting all my, <laughs> my exit portfolio submitted. But I think for me also, if you're not on social media, so there's like lurkers and what did I used to call it? These terms are coming back now that threads is out. You could just be a lurker. You don't need to post anything. You could just go on and look at hashtags and and learn, but also YouTube's great. Like just go on YouTube. That's a free PD right there. You don't have time to go to a conference. Just go on YouTube. But how I learn is by playing. I just play and I try things and I'm not scared to mess up. And I feel like I've really been thinking about that lately. So there's characteristics of like a child, right? And I still like, I still have some of those characteristics, like (laughs) being playful and trying things and not being scared to mess up. And I think as adults grow up, they're scared to mess up, but they shouldn't be because what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you click something wrong? Nothing. Right. Right. You just play, try, explore, create. And if you mess up, that's okay. Start again. So that's how I learn. Um, I Google things. So I, I mean, for me, I make, I make everything. I'm like, how can I use AI for this? So it was like, I was stressed. I hate taking pictures like of myself. I don't like it. So the thought of getting a professional picture done for my, about the author thing was really like making me a little anxious and I don't have anxiety, but like, I just didn't like that idea. Right. Yeah. I could use AI for that. 
Or when I had to make a presentation, I was like, oh, I could use AI for that. And for everything I do, I just, and then I'll Google it. I'll say how like AI headshot, AI presentation tool. And I'll just Google, I'll read, I'll watch YouTube videos, um, but also conversation. So if you're a school leader, the best thing you could do is just block off your schedule, go to a school, walk the halls, walk in the classrooms, talk to the teachers, talk to the students, ask them what they're doing. You see them on a computer. Hey, what are you working on? Just talk to the teachers and students. That That's how I learn mostly everything. I just have conversations with people. So if you don't have a podcast and you can't talk to guests, <laughs> um, you can talk to people in your school. And there's some innovative people, some people are hesitant. So when I wrote my book, I asked if the super tech um, savvy teachers to read it, a few of them, but I also asked resistant teachers. And I asked teachers who are not the first level of adopters, but they're always definitely that second wave when everyone that's been hyped up about it, they're like, okay, I'll try it. And they're always excited to try it, but they're in the second wave of it. Um, those are my favorite people to talk about, to talk to about any new technology, because they're not just going to jump on the bandwagon and try everything. They usually put a little bit more thought into it and think about why am I using it? And so those are my favorite teachers to talk to. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, it gets back to, I've been sharing a lot too, that I think the beauty of AI is kind of, I don't know if forcing is the right word, but it's forcing us to get back to really like, I think recalibrating the importance of relationships, uh, human connection, like you said, process over product. And the way to do that is you got to you got to know your kids and, you know, as, as, as a, as an ed leader, you've got to know your staff to, to give them the space and the time and find ways to allow them to, to figure out what that day looks like versus, you know, uh, assessing every seven minutes because there's the pressures that are, that are out there. I'm not going to deny those, um, you know, and so as, as you're talking about going back and, and talk to the kids and see what's going on, like that'll give you a, an, an incredible pulse of your local community. There's obviously the pulse that's happening around the world and in the nation and state, but finding out what's happening. I was working with the school district on some computer science stuff. And I brought up ChatGPT, and they all looked at me kind of like, what is he talking about? And so I quickly... When was that? This was, gosh, it would have been, this is probably like six weeks ago. So it was a little okay, bit... I, thought you but, meant, I mean, that's still... Yeah, still. Right, end of the year, but it was still long enough to know that it was out there. And so I did a quick demo of what it was, and their minds melted. And they're like, oh, man, there's no way. And our kids would do this or that. I was like, well, how many... Just any of you have children... They have phones, text them and see if they've used these tools. And almost every kid had, and they're just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, so it's already here. So maybe this is one more thing we need to be thinking about um, in terms of not to go have to go put rules in, but you know, they're using it. And so if you're not aware of it and we're not aware of these things, you know, where are we in our in our services to our children? We say we want to be future ready or we want to get our kids ready for when they graduate and this this is the landscape and so yeah. how how do we start to hold these conversations to have them ready because just like this generation is a world with they don't know a world without touch screens the next generation is going to be a world they don't where ai is just embedded in everything whether you you know and you don't even think twice about it yeah and i think for me in new york it's pretty challenging because we have really strict data privacy and security laws so chat 
GPT and BARD and the new Bing are not compliant with our state data privacy and security laws. I'm sure that there will be a compliant version soon. And I keep telling everyone that I talk to in New York State, it does not matter that there is not a compliant one at this second. Right. Because I said, mark my words, and I'm being generous. By the middle of the school year, I would bet way sooner. But I'm going to say the middle of the school year, there will be. And it's already in Google Docs. It's already in the the Microsoft suite, the Google suite. It's already there. It's right. just not there for schools yet. But if you have the beta versions, it's embedded right in Word. It's embedded right in Google. It's embedded in PowerPoint and Slides. It's already there. And one day, you're going to wake up and your students are going to have it on their computers. And you better be prepared for that day when that happens, because it will happen this school year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked about I was in a a school district and they had it blocked on the on the school website. But kids are the high school kids are allowed to have their cell phones. And I'm like, so then you the the block doesn't do anything. It does like they're (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just but I mean it's just it's just like people are just trying to figure it out. But it's just an interesting landscape because it's what do you do? You know, and I think that's where you have to all the stuff you've talked about today, you know, playing with it, trying it, uh, getting some learning in, figuring stuff out. What is your position? I, to me, that's you know, the biggest thing that that, that I keep thinking about. And even for a teacher to tell the students, what is my position as a teacher in this class? What is my position with AI? So whether you're a leader or a teacher, what is your position? Yeah, I love it. I also think that the future of AI will be not that students are going to chat GPT. There will eventually, and I've, you know, I've been, I talk about this all the time. So I talked to lots of vendors and companies and it might be sooner than we think maybe not so soon but there will be a large language model so ChatGPT is a large language model bard is a large language model there will be a large language model that will allow you to connect your curriculum so if you use science 21 it, you could plug in your science curriculum if you use eureka math you could plug in your math curriculum so when the child uses that your districts like custom large language model they're going to get responses that are aligned with your curriculum so that will be there eventually and i think that the students will find that one more valuable than something like chat because the generated content will be more aligned with what they're looking for right um and then i think down the road not now there will be a way for a teacher to like emulate themselves and put in their own like ai would have to analyze whether it's for us it would be easy because it could just be all of our podcasts right 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 Um, yeah or like written text but once it analyzes enough of you it could generate content that sounds just like what you would say based on what it's analyzed so i think that will be the future is that there will be an AI bot of the teacher. So when the student goes home and has to ask questions for homework, they're really asking their teacher. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, as, as always, I always joke and say, it's like all my sci-fi and nerdy books and movies and comics and all that stuff is now like a reality. It's here, you know, as we talk about those things, sometimes people like look at you like you're crazy. And it's like, it's, it's, it's not as far off as you think. It's not necessarily like that's going to be tomorrow, but it's, it's going to be here sooner than, um, you know, we realize we can only keep our head, you know, stuck in the hole for so long. And so I think some of that is just getting out to understand how these things work, 
start to process the mechanics of them, how you integrate them, how you utilize stuff for yourself as well as for your classroom or your school. So as these tools continue to get better and improve and, and meet the gap, the guidelines of data and privacy, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, these companies want that stuff in schools. Um, there's a huge population there, you know, and so they'll find ways to get that in there. And, you know, are we ready? If we just sit and wait, you're, it's, it's, it's going to be really, really hard to catch up for how fast things are moving. Yeah. I think that it makes you really analyze a lot of things about teaching and learning and assignments and assessments and what skills students need and even like what makes an educated human. Right. Right. <laughs> well, it goes back to the old age old question, right? What is, what, what is the, the, the purpose of education? You know, and I think it's, that question becomes even more important as we start to have tools like AI that can knock out a lot of what's been compliant based education uh, and trying to figure out how to keep kids quiet in seats. And uh, now that stuff can be done in seconds. And so there's, we've got something to think about uh, for sure. For sure. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, This has been awesome and we could probably chit chat on this stuff forever and a day. And so as, as we bring this to a close, just, if there's anything else that you want to add that we didn't get a chance to share, I'll let you uh, share any of that. And then for those that listen to the show, know I'll have all links to everything in the show notes, but for those listening and maybe they're at a red light or wherever they might be, and they want to check out your work, you know, we're, we're, we're some of the best places for people to, to, to follow and, and learn from you. And um, we'll definitely get links to podcast book, all that good stuff there as well. But if they want to add you to their, their, their arsenal of awesomeness, uh, where can they go? Um, all social media is my name, Alana Winnick, and I use Twitter the most, but Threads just came out. So who knows where that will go? Who knows? I'm not <laughs> right. even going to speak about that. It's too new. <laughs> um, and then I do have a website, alanawinnick.com. My podcast is end book is the generative age. So it's just generativeage.com. Coming up on the generative age, we have um, Matt Miller talking about the shades of gray, which I mentioned. Um, someone I'm super excited about is Ken Shelton talking about AI bias and discrimination. And I think that that's a topic that will, it is very important, but no one's talking about it right now because they're just getting over the culture shock of it all. But I foresee in a year from now that being a very hot topic. So I'm really, really excited to have him on for that. I also have um, John Spencer um, and a bunch of other really awesome people. I have a mailing list. I haven't started mailings yet, but I think I'm going to need to start like a blog or something where I uh, send updates. So I'm committing to that. So I'm, I'm putting it out there with this with this podcast right now. So if you join my mailing list, I'm committing to sending maybe monthly there newsletters. I'll do monthly. I could do that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just Alana Winnick on social media, alanawinnick.com or generativeage.com and that's really that's really it. And thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. I'm so glad we finally made it work because this has been going back and forth for too long. <laughs> it has. This, no, this has been an absolute uh, pleasure and treat. So I appreciate you finding time between graduation, the book, the publication, or the podcast, and everything else going on uh, to uh, have this chat with me. This has been fantastic and lots of great things for people to to think about and process, especially as we start to gear up for for an, another school year and all the fun that that brings. So I really appreciate you joining. Thanks for having me.
Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.